You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Good morning. So we're, we're doing a couple things a little bit different this morning. Um, one is that I'm up here preaching, so that's a little bit different, and I'm excited about that. Thank you. <laughs> um, another is that normally what we would do to transition from our meet and greet time and prepare for the sermon is we would have the reading of the word, and we would read the verses that uh, were going to be preached. And we're going to not do that this morning, but what I want you to do, uh, even if you don't normally do this, is there are Bibles in the pews in front of you, or maybe you have your own Bible with you, or maybe you have a Bible on your phone, and that's fine too. But if you would open your Bible to Colossians 2, verse 16... Um, we're going we're gonna to walk through this, and I just think it, would, it, it benefits me, and it, it might hopefully benefit you, to just have that open in front of you this morning as we kind of walk through it. It's, it's a larger chunk. We're going to go from 2.16 all the way to 3.17. So one of the other reasons we didn't do the whole reading is because that would take up a lot of time, and, and I need that time to walk through it. Um, but before we get started, let's just pray. God, I just, I thank you for this opportunity, and um, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me and that you would fill this place right now. God, that as we gather for the last day of this year in preparation of starting a new year, God, that you would fill up our hearts, that you would fill up our minds with the truth that is in your word, that you would speak through me and that you would speak directly to hearts, God, that you would give us a vision and a direction and hope um, for what's to come. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So for those of you that don't know me, my name's Bill. I'm the family ministry director here. Normally, right about now, I'm downstairs wrangling the kids together or overseeing what goes on down there, and, and we're, we're trying to impart uh, God's truth to them as well. Today, I get to uh, be up here. We're, we're not in a sermon series today. So we're, we're going to resume our sermon series through the book of Matthew in a couple of weeks, but today's, you know, kind of a standalone sermon. We're going to look at these verses in Colossians. And what happens is when you, when you take a long time, like we're taking with our Matthew series, and, and you're walking through a whole book, you get the context and you get the theme and you get to spend an entire Sunday on a section or, or a thought or one or two verses and really pull out everything that's in there. And when you do more of a, a flyby, you can miss some of that, which is why I'm taking a larger chunk of scripture this morning is so that we can at least get some of the context and some of the big picture thoughts. But what that also means is I'm, I'm just going to kind of skim the surface of what's here. And there's a lot more to dive into. There's probably 10 to 12 sermons in these verses. And so I'm going to miss things. Uh, you can feel free to tell me that. But just know that I know that. Um, and I'm going to do my best here. Uh, 
It's also New Year's Eve, so I know we're thinking about parties and we're thinking about tonight. And when, when, I'm, when I was preparing this and I'm thinking about New Year's resolutions, um, I think about what are, what are probably the most common New Year's resolutions that people make. Um, and I know that what I've, what I've seen and what I've heard is that gym memberships are really going to spike next month, right? That, that so many of our resolutions have to do with uh, we're going to lose some weight or we're going to join a gym or we're going to exercise every day, right? Um, since I started eating candy a week before Halloween and then going through Thanksgiving and then Christmas cookies and all of that, I'm at the place where I probably need to lose 10 to 20 pounds again. And, and we kind of make these resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, right? And if there's any real follow-through, we kind of get specific. Like, I'm, okay, I'm going to cut out sugar. Or I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to stop putting this much eggnog in my coffee every single morning, right? These, these like, habits that I've got into that are wonderful and not good for me, right? Uh, Maybe it's something that doesn't have to do with, with weight or body image. Maybe it's more, I'm going to watch less Netflix. I'm going to spend less time in front of a screen. I'm going to read more books in 2024, right? I'm going to uh, go on walks more. I'm going to buy less things on Amazon, right? It's, it's awkward because we have this person who comes to our house every single day this month and I don't know his name, and he's brought me a gift every single day, and I got him nothing for Christmas. Um, but, but my point with all of this is that when we look at resolutions or we look at change that we want to make, we, we tend to focus on what we're going to do, right? What am I going to do or not do that's going to make some sort of positive change in my life? What can I do to be better, or what can I not do to be better, right? That, that somehow I want to improve my spending habits, or I want to improve how I spend my time, or I want to improve my health or my body image, and so I'm going to stop doing these things, or I'm going to start doing these things. In fact, almost everything we focus on in our lives tend to be, I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to do this, right? We're going to do or not do things. And rarely do we focus on, here's who I'm going to be that's a different. How can I be a different person next year? Right? We, we sort of, we, we know or we should know that doing flows from being. Right? If, if you've been in church for any period of time, especially this church, you've probably heard, you know, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? That Jesus talks about this change that comes from the inside out. And yet when we want to change our lives, we go, here's what I need to do different in order to be better or be closer to God or be a better husband or be a better father or, or be better. Right? And we think that if we change what we do, if we do something different or if we stop doing something, then that will change our being. And what happens with those resolutions? Has anyone ever made it a full year with a New Year's resolution? Has anyone made it to February with a New Year's resolution? Right? I think um, last year 
I said I was going, I was going to write my own psalm every single day. Every day I was going to write out a new psalm to God. And I created a Google Doc, and I think I wrote 14 new psalms. And then I missed a day, and then I wrote one more, and then I was like, well, I already missed a day, so it's not an everyday thing. And then pretty soon, I may have a total of 17 that I wrote last year because I, just, oh, I failed at what I was trying to do, right? But what I wanted was I wanted to be someone who expressed more to God my daily feelings and interactions with him like I read in the Psalms. Right? But my resolution was to do something to be that kind of person. When I failed to do it, I stopped trying to do it rather than examining who am I becoming? Is it changing who I am? Right? So let's, let's, let's go to the Bible. Right? I can stand here and talk, but let's, let's look at the Bible. Um, our first verse here in Colossians 2.16 says this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. So there you go. You can eat and drink everything and anything you want. Let no one pass judgment on you, right? Amen. <laughs> this is the attitude that some Christians adopt, right? I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever I want, right? I, I was part of a church where there were people who had struggled with alcoholism, who had quit drinking, who were told, unless you drink again, you're not really free in Christ. And that's shocking, but they were told that by pastors, right? And, and it was this, this challenge of you have to be free to do whatever you want because no one should pass judgment on you. We're completely free in Christ. And that, that is a warped view of what this is saying, right? Look at, look at the next verse. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what does it mean that the substance belongs to Christ, right? And I, and I think what we're going to see as we walk through these verses is that Paul is trying to show the Colossians who are really interested in doing the right things and not doing the wrong things that if their focus is on what they're free to do or what they're required to do, they're missing the substance of doing, which is acting out of being who we are, right? That, that who we are needs to be rooted in Christ. Not what we are doing needs to somehow be approved by Christ. Um, as we go, let's look at these verbs and see what is doing and what is being. And I think we're going to see that when we focus on what we do and do not do, we focus on ourselves. When we focus on who we are, our focus shifts to what we want to be like. Right? If I'm thinking about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing, all of my gaze is going in towards me. If I'm looking at who I want to be, I'm going, who do I want to be like? Who am I becoming? And my focus is Christ. It moves the substance of my focus from myself to Christ. Right? 
When we focus on being, our focus shifts to who we want to be like rather than what we're doing and who we are. So the next verse says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Again, this sort of seems like a pass to worship however we want, express our spirituality however we want. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do as I'm expressing myself, right? Some people like hymns and traditional lighting and traditional music, right? Some people like emo dark walls and worship music with lots of drums and bass guitars and synthesizers, right? Some people like Michael W. Smith. That doesn't disqualify me as a Christian, right? <laughs> we can worship how we like. What we do isn't important. Maybe that's what this is saying, but, but look at the verse that, that pairs with it. And not holding fast to the head from whom the body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. What happens when we insist on our freedom to worship our own way? Well, we disagree about how old someone should be when they're baptized, or we disagree about how they should be baptized, or we disagree about how often communion should be taken, or whether it should be wine, or whether it should be juice, or whether it should be in containers, or whether it should be dipped in the bread, whether we should serve ourselves or it should be served to us, right? We, we disagree about music styles, and, and when we focus on that and go, no, this is how I need to worship to feel close to God, we, we split and churches split and split and split and, and this church does music this way and this one does it this way and this one does baptism this way, right? When, when we grab at our freedoms and focus on what we do and our right to do it that way, we divide. And this says... Right? This, this verse says right here, I had it, <laughs> not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together. Right? When we focus on who we want to be like, it should knit us together. It should bring us together. Right? Our freedom to worship isn't my freedom to worship differently than you. It's my freedom to worship in a way that I don't prefer so that we can worship together in unity. Right? That's, that's our freedom in Christ. That's what flows from being like Christ instead of grabbing onto my freedom to do what I want and not do what I want is that instead of dividing into our segments that do exactly what we want, we go, I could be completely uncomfortable with the entire style of how this church service is done, but I'm giving up those rights because it flows from Christ and I want to be like him and what he gives us is a knit together body and unity. And if that's what we focus on in 2024, we should see more churches joining together then we should see splitting apart. We should see more families reconciling than we should see divorcing. We should see more teenagers coming home than running away, right? When, when we focus on who Christ is and let that be our aim rather than what we're doing, it should unite and knit and join us together and flow from the head, which is Christ. Christ can't be summed up in what we do and what we abstain from, right? Um, 
Okay, let's keep going. I got, I got worked up there and left my notes. <laughs> okay, so now here, here we take the, this transition, right? This is, this is great. So if with Christ you died, am I on the right verse? Okay, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that perish as they are used according to human precepts and teaching. The key to this is not why are you following the rules of do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. The key to this is the first words, if with Christ you died. Right? We, we talk a lot about Jesus dying in our place. Hopefully, you've heard that Jesus loved you and died for you. Right? That he gave his life for you so that you could have eternal life. But sometimes... We don't emphasize enough the idea that part of accepting that, part of joining with Christ, part of becoming like Christ is dying with him. We have to die in order to receive what he died to provide us. We have to die to ourselves. And one of those things is, is yes, we don't need to follow rules of I have to do this, 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 and this, and I can't do this, this, and this, but I do somehow need to die to myself in order to follow him and have unity with him. So if, if it's not do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, what is dying to Christ? That'd be a good question to answer, right? What is it we're dying to? Well, I look at what is it that the world is celebrating. If you look at the message of the world, which I'm, I have three teenage daughters right now, so I'm pretty plugged into some of the messaging of the world, <laughs> right? They, they get it nonstop, and I, I get it through them, right? But the world right now is celebrating self, right? Self-care, self-love, self-indulgence, be true to yourself, find your truth, find your joy, your zen, your passion, your dreams, right? The hallmark of a healthy person right now is someone who, first of all, cares for themselves and takes care of themselves. And the message on social media that you'll see over and over and over and over again is if anyone makes you feel badly about yourself, cut them out of your life. That's not a person that should be in your life. Only surround yourself with people who affirm yourself who build up yourself, who reinforce your self-view, right? The, the, the curriculum that was being taught in Seattle public schools this last year around uh, sexual identity and sex education had these uh, cartoon videos that was explaining to kids, you know, here's what a trusted adult is, right? And in the, in the, teaching curriculum, which anyone can, you can email them and get a copy of all these videos and curriculum, which I did. Um, but in, in the teaching curriculum, in the, in the video they made of what is a trusted adult, it's someone who reinforces what you believe about yourself and agrees with you. And that if someone is telling you that what you're doing is wrong, that person is not a trusted adult. You need to find another adult that will reaffirm what you believe about yourself, and that's a trusted adult. Right? That's, that's such a backwards 
idea of what a parent is, <laughs> right? The, to go, well, you're the Lord of your life. You tell me what you want to believe and I'll reinforce it. Otherwise, you need to find someone else that will reinforce it. Like somehow my 11-year-old son has a big enough picture of the world to go, no, I've got it figured out. I'll tell you who I am. And doesn't need to be shaped or molded or led or challenged or disciplined at all. And that's the message of the world, right? And, and when Paul says, if with Christ we died to the elemental spirits of the world, if we're talking about dying to ourselves, that's what we're dying to. We're dying to the right to define ourselves and claim our rights and, and be self-focused. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's awesome. And, and, and look at, the, there's a lot of really good teaching that will say, oh, it's really important to care for yourself. It's really important to love yourself. It's really important to have a good self-image, right? But when it elevates self, 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 and it's all, so do this, do this, do this, it's all that inward self-focus again. And look at the next, look at the next verses in Colossians, right? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the flesh. Right? These things seem wise. This is the wisdom of the world. It is the wisdom of our age to, to be healthy, to exercise, to say no to carbs, right? To... to it's self, 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 self-love, self-care, build yourself up, create your self-identity, don't let anyone look down on you, and I'm not saying that you should be torn down by others. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a good self-image, but I, what I am saying is that when everything we look at is self-focused, the Bible tells us here that's no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh, because if I'm focused on myself, how can I not be selfish? How can I die to myself if all I'm looking at is myself, right? If I focus on myself, I cannot stop the indulgence of the flesh because the, the indulgence of the flesh is the self, right? I'm going to indulge in the selfish because I've elevated the self as God in my life. Even when it seems wise, even when it is I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to smoke, I'm going to eat healthy things, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, like, I'm going to do, do, do all of these things that are good for me because it's healthy for me and because I feel better and because it will be good for me. It's still self-focused and the indulgence of the flesh is still there. We're just indulging in our goodness or we're indulging in our morality or we're indulging in our self-made religion. Right? But, it, but it's not changing who we are, our being, into Christ-like followers that's creating more unity, right? Because what does it lead to? It leads to cutting off anyone that conflicts with myself, breaking apart from anyone who's different from myself, anyone who challenges my self-image. I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. And the fruit of this self-focused self-made religion is division and broken relationships. Whereas the fruit of dying to ourself is the unity that comes from us becoming more like Christ. 
So how, how do we do it if we can't do it? <laughs> right? If we're not supposed to focus on do, 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 do not, do not, do not, how do we do being <laughs> more like Jesus? Well, that's what Colossians 3 is about. Right? So, so 2 really talks about dying to ourselves and getting rid of this idea of what we do and do not do as self-focused things. But, but look at how Colossians 3 starts. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. So we talked about how we have to die with Christ, but Christ didn't just die for us, and so we die with him. Christ raised to life again, and we're raised to life with him, right? If, if we died with him, we're raised with him. That's why when we baptize people, we don't keep them under there, right? We bring them back up. They've been raised to new life with Christ. We don't just die, right? Um, we, we, if we're trying to live our life with Christ, it's not just this hall pass to sin because he's forg- forgiven us and given us new life, right? The, the flesh keeps being indulged in, right? What good is not watching as much TV? What good is not eating as much sugar? What good is not drinking as much alcohol? Those aren't the substance of Christ. Right? Um, there's, a, there's a comedian preacher that I listened to when I was a kid. Um, I had a weird childhood, right? When, when, I, when I was a kid, I had like tapes of sermons and sermon illustrations that I would listen to as I fell asleep, right? And so there, there was this uh, comedian and preacher, his name's Ken Davis. And, um, I just loved listening to his sermons, and, and they, were, they were funny. And one of the things he says, he grew up in this Baptist church that was saying, you know, to be a good Christian, you don't have sex, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't swear, you don't gamble, you don't dance. Right? Those are the, if you don't do those things, then you're good. And he said one day he's sitting there on his porch, and his dog walks by. And he looks at his dog, and he goes, my dog doesn't drink. My dog doesn't smoke, my dog doesn't swear, my dog doesn't gamble, my dog doesn't dance, my dog doesn't have sex anymore. (laughs) And so somehow I will never attain a Christianity as good as a dog (laughs) if it's about what I don't do, right? And there has to be a substance, there has to be a raise to new life, there has to be a thing that we're becoming that is more than simply what we aren't and what we don't do. Um, did, did anyone, uh, does anyone know what I mean when I say we used to have rabbit ears? Right, some of you? Yes, yes. So we had rabbit ears on our TV, right? We didn't have Wi-Fi, you didn't stream shows. You turned the channel, and then you had one of your kids stand there and hold the thing and move it, and then you got the tinfoil out of the kitchen and wrapped that around there, and then depending on the weather, you had to adjust it to keep the show or the game on the TV, right? And it just required constant fine-tuning 
to get the right station, right? And Paul is saying we have to set our minds on things above, not on things on earth. We have to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, right? Christ isn't in a grave somewhere. He's on a throne, right? And so if we're self-focused, if we're listening to the message of the world about what we do and what we don't do in ourselves and trying self-improvement, we're getting off channel. We're, we're missing the station. We're drifting from where God wants us to be. And we have to tune in. We have to adjust constantly to the right set. We have to set our minds on things above. We have to set our hearts on things above. We have to constantly be fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? And the Bible uses that language over and over in multiple places by multiple authors that we have to set and fix our eyes and our hearts on Jesus, the author of our faith, who's enthroned, who's in heaven, right? That's how we adjust because we become, in order to become we have to set our eyes on who we want to become like, right? Um, the, the song that came to mind as I was thinking about this was um, The Man in the Mirror, right? Michael Jackson's song. I'm starting with The Man in the Mirror, right? Maybe that's a cover. I don't know. Uh, that's how I know that song. Um, the man in the mirror isn't who we start with, <laughs> right? If we start with an image of ourselves, and go, how do I want myself to change? We're limited to our power to change ourselves, which is really nothing, right? When we start with the man enthroned in heaven, we're able to become so much more than the man or woman in the mirror, right? I can become a completely different person if I set my mind and my heart on Jesus rather than focus on the things I think I need to change, right? It's just like I talked about with my son, right? If I ask my son, what do you think you need to work on? He's like, I need to work on beating more video games, right? He's not gonna say, I need to work on saying no to sugar and I need to work on cleaning my room and I need to work on my responsibility. He needs a bigger picture of the world to call him outside of himself to grow into the man that he hopefully will become, right? And for me to grow into the Christ follower that I want to become, I have to set my mind and my heart outside of myself so that I can be called and shaped and formed and changed into something much more than I can do by working on my behavior and working on my actions. Okay, I need to speed up. Why? Okay, here's the next word. For you have died. There it is again. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Right? If I die to myself, then who I am is hidden. And the more that Christ is seen, then the more that who I am gets to come and, and experience that glory with Christ, right? The bigger I can make Christ in my life and in my focus, the more who I am now can actually come out, right? I struggled with this for so long. When, 
When I thought about heaven, especially in my 20s, I had such a hard time with the idea of heaven because I, <laughs> I was so far from being like God. And this description of heaven of like, we're all just gonna stand around and sing songs to Jesus and there's gonna be no sin. And my view of sin is like, oh, I'm not supposed to play video games or watch movies and I'm not supposed to, you know, uh, go on dates or whatever, you know, like all the things that were important to me in my 20s, right? All of these things, I'm like, so I'm not gonna desire any of that. And the only part of me that's gonna exist is the part of me that wants to sit around and worship Jesus. And that seemed to be such a small part of who I was. I was like, I won't have any of my memories. I won't have any of my personality. I won't even exist. And, and it's because I was holding on to someone that needed to die. Right? That, that the, the, the transformation of the life of a Christian isn't instantaneous. And God could have made it that way, right? He could have made it so that as soon as we pray a prayer, as soon as we believe the word, we're instantly changed into perfected beings. But instead, he makes it a process because God is about becoming. He is a God of becoming, right? He, he became flesh, and he became the Messiah, and he became the source of salvation for us, right? And we become more and more like him, and he's very interested in the process. And sometimes that's frustrating and confusing, and go, there's so much pain, and there's so much junk, and there's so much failure in this process. But, but, but Jesus is going, there's something precious in my not just ripping out the old you and putting in a new you, but gently changing you to someone who has become like me and loves me. And more and more and more of you becomes the kind of person that can exist in heaven. And less and less and less of you becomes the kind of person that can't, right? Um, so look at, look at what comes next. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. At first this seems like a don't do list again, right? In, in chapter two he just said, why do you listen to rules? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, as if you were still living in the flesh. Now that you've been raised in Christ, uh, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? But if we look closely, these actually aren't do words, right? These are, these are be words. Don't be sexually immoral. Don't be impure. Don't be desirous of evil. Don't be covetous. Don't be idolaters. Don't be angry. Don't be wrathful. Don't be malicious. Don't be a slanderer. Don't be a liar, right? And, and the other thing you'll notice is, is what are the fruits of these B words, right? 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, sexual immorality, passion, evil desire, greed. There's a theme in these, right? They, they create division. They tear other people down. You, you could be, I guess, angry with yourself. You could be malicious towards yourself. It'd be kind of weird to slander yourself. Um, it, it's hard to be uh, envious of yourself, right? Um, you can't lie to others with just yourself. A lot of these words have to do with how we treat others. He's saying put off these actions, put off these characteristics, put off these beings that tear other people down, that create divisions, that create hurt, that create wounds. And, and, and look at how he ends this. He says, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. He's tearing down all the categories that the, the Colossians had, right? They're saying, oh, this is who I am. This is, I'm, I'm free. I'm a slave. I'm a barbarian. I'm civilized, right? I'm circumcised. I'm not circumcised, right? These, these categories that they had of who they were. These are identity words here, right? And Paul's saying, there's no identity that you pull from. Christ is all and is in all, right? If you've been resurrected with Christ, if you've put on the new self, if, if you've died to yourself and been raised to life with Christ, are you malicious towards Christ? Are you angry towards Christ? Are you envious of Christ? Are you, you know, <laughs> idolatrous of Christ? Like these things don't make sense when applied to Christ. They make sense when applied to other people. And if we see that Christ has torn down these barriers and unites us and is all, Christ is all and is in all, then those things have to be put off. Right? Because anger and wrath and malice and lust, sexual immorality, idolatry, those things are putting back on to others and onto ourselves that old self, that flesh that died. Right? Um, so we need to put to death and put off these things. It's like, um, well, here, let me read the next verse first. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see it again with the put-ons, right? That these are characters applied to other people. Right? It's, it's real easy to be patient with myself. It's real hard to be patient with others because they don't do what I want them to do. Right? It's real easy to, um, to just follow that list and go, I could do all of these things if it wasn't for other people. Other people really stop me from being like Christ a lot, don't they? If there were just no other people, I could actually be the kind of Christian God wants me to be.
So I don't want to make a sweeping statement that isn't in this text, and I want you to check me on this because I, I don't want an error here, okay? But I don't know that it's possible to be Christ-like in solitude, right? That even God himself is three persons in community and in relationship, right? And everything about this list and who we are called to be as we follow Jesus has to do with how we interact in the world, right? How we're shaped, how we're changed, relationships, relationships with other people are important. And you, you see this theme that like we have to kill and put to death the things that divide us. And every list like this is followed by which binds us together in perfect harmony, right? The, the mark, the symptom that we are still self-focused and living in our flesh is that we have disunity in our relationships. And the symptom that we have our hearts and our minds fixed on Christ and we're becoming who he wants us to be is that relationships are being restored and mended and we're being brought together in unity. I, I don't think we can say, if I just cut everyone off, then I can be like Christ. Because that's not what Christ did. He poured himself out for everyone. For God so loved the world, he gave his life, Right? And there's a, there's a line in that verse right there, in that section of verses that says, bearing with one another, right? It doesn't say loving everything everyone does. It says bearing with one another. I, I woke up this morning because I couldn't sleep and I was listening to um, a sermon preached on this text by John Piper. And he said he likes to read this verse at weddings, right? And at first everyone's like, oh, this is so great. Like put on you know, compassion and kindness. And he goes, he goes I, I'm asking, I'm praying for this marriage that you will be able to bear with one another till death. <laughs> that you will be able to stand one another and you will put up with all of the pain and misery that you cause each other until one of you dies. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that, that there, is, there is something in this that like as a community, we're called to unity and we're not going to like it sometimes. Right? As a global church, as Trinity Church, as ministry groups, as a family, as a married couple, as friends, as a community group, we're called to unity, and sometimes we just have to bear those people that are difficult. <laughs> and sometimes they have to bear me because I'm difficult. Right? but that, that we're doing it in love, that love is what binds us together. And I go, this person drives me nuts and I love them so much I'm gonna keep being around them because they're making me more like Jesus and I'm helping them to be more like Jesus and we're pursuing unity in Christ together. So, it's... This reminds me of this image of putting off and putting on. We, we can't just put on kindness and humility and love if we don't take off the wrath and the malice and the sexual immorality and the slander and the idolatry, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work, right? Have you, have you ever been out in the rain when it's really cold? We live in Seattle, right? 
You know, this, 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 this is a warm winter, right? But like, you know, when it's like 38 and sideways freezing rain and you get caught in it because you weren't expecting it and you're, you're soaked to the bone and you're freezing cold, right? And you don't go home and in your soaked, freezing cold clothes, put a blanket around you or put a, a coat on over yourself or put on a new pair of clothes because it would just soak those and you would stay cold and you would stay wet and you would stay damp, right? You have to take off that layer of cold freezing clothes so that you can put on something warm in, act, in order to actually be warmed up, in order to actually be, you know, no longer cold and wet. And it's the same sort of image here that, that we, we clothed ourselves with self and it tore relationships apart and it caused wounds, right? We clothed ourselves with wrath, with malice, with anger, with sexual immorality, and, and we can't just cover it up with some good deeds and some loving kindness and some joy. We have to take off what is wounding us the sin which is dragging us to the ground before we can put on the character of Christ followers that we see modeled in Jesus. Amen. And when we do that, look at, look at how this ends. And let, see the shift in language? Put off, put to death, put off, put on, put on, put on. And now we go to, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. When we do that, when we set, when we tune our hearts and our minds to Jesus, when we take off the, the, the things that break relationships, and, and wound unity, and when we clothe ourselves with the things that bind us together and move us towards Jesus, then, then the peace that Christ brings, the, the peace of God, right? When, when the angels appear to the shepherds and they say, good news, great tidings of joy, peace on earth, goodwill to men, that peace, that that what the world is trying to attain through self-care and self-love is being satisfied in yourself that can't happen when we're self-focused, that, that peace that God offers of just being a child and being accepted comes to us, not by us putting it on, by us just letting it rule in our hearts. We get to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Do you hear how every one of these refrains speaks to unity? It's a call, it's a call away from division into unity. It's a call to restore broken relationships. It's not a section of verses touting our right to do whatever we want, but rather it's proclaiming our right to do nothing that we want for the sake of restoring relationships and unity with others. And it comes from exalting Jesus to where he belongs, at the center of our hearts and our minds. And when he's in the right place in our hearts and our minds, we're able to take off that old self and put on the new self and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and change us and transform us. And that's where the being different comes from. 
not by what we do, but by who we want to be like. And whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, so that's, this is how Paul ends this section, whatever you do, right? However you choose to work this out, whatever it looks like to do it, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Will your life be magically perfect and without pain and suffering if you become more like Christ? His life was pretty full of pain and suffering, wasn't it? <laughs> but it was also a life poured out in love for others, right? And so, so God says, I'll take all the burden of your sin, I'll take all the judgment of your sin, and all it costs you is everything that you are. <laughs> you die to that, and I will give you peace, and I will give you life. He doesn't promise that. It's not something you can add. Christianity, following Jesus, is not something that you can add to your life to make it better or less painful or more pleasurable. It's something that you exchange for your life to get Jesus, right? It's, it's saying, I'm willing to die to everything, which is nothing, to get everything. If, um, if you're someone who has not grasped that message before and have been trying to do your way to a better life in Jesus, I want you to hear the invitation. You don't have to. You don't have to do better. You, you don't have to perform better. You don't have to earn anything from Jesus. He, he, he poured out everything. And it's, it's yours and it's free and it's offered to you. But, but you do have to want it enough to say, I'm going to die to myself. And that, that's, it's, it's a free gift, but you can't hold them both because they don't work. You can't hold yourself as God and hold Jesus as king. You have to fix your eyes on him. And so as we move now to a time where we're going to remember what Jesus did in his death and his resurrection through communion, if you have not died to yourself, if you have not made that step to say, I want what Jesus is offering. I want the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. And I'm willing to die to myself. We are going to have a prayer team that's going to be right over here by this station. And you can come and pray with them and talk to them. And they can walk you through that and explain that to you right now. And then invite you to join us as we participate in communion. There's, there's nothing that would prevent you. There is still time in 2023 to die to yourself Amen. and to have the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And for those of us that have been raised to new life, let's, let's take communion with that thankfulness, right? Let's give thanks to the God, the Father, and say, I want to die a little more in 2024. I had to put a rhyme on nice. right? I want to die a little more in 2024. I want to take off more of that 
characteristic that hurts relationships and I want to put on more of Jesus that restores relationships and brings unity. Here's, here's a couple of questions for reflection for uh, community groups or just to ask on your own. Have you been crucified with Christ and raised to new life with him? And if you haven't, there's an invitation today to do that. Are you willing to put to death the self and be raised to a life where Jesus is king and we serve one another? Is your focus, number two, is your focus on doing? What are your character flaws? What does it look like to put off the old self instead of just not doing bad things? And number three, is your heart and mind set on Christ? What does it look like to put on the character of Jesus instead of just doing good things? And finally, are you letting the peace of Christ rule your heart? Let's pray. Jesus, I just, I thank you that you have done everything and that you have modeled this for us. You have made the ultimate sacrifice for us and you died and you rose to life and you are seated in heaven on a throne ruling as king. And God, I pray that we would put our life in your hands, that we would die with you to our old desires and flesh, that we would be raised to life in the character of Christ and that, that you would restore and mend relationships and God, that we would just get out of the way and let the peace of Christ rule our lives this coming year. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.